Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before. He's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today for a first-time-ever joint broadcast of The Tully Show and her podcast, Koo and the Gang, as seen in the Sorry Not Sorry sketch comedy series, streaming now at Go90.com comedian esther Koo. thanks for having me thanks for coming by i've seriously been looking forward to i was listening to you on jim jeffries the jim jeffries episode yeah he's a nice guy nicer than i expected yeah he sounded like a nice guy i've never met him before but he follows me on twitter oh well that's cool yeah he was like come by my taping i'm like i'm gonna come now are you you have to be suspicious of i I want to be careful with what I'm saying. I don't want to disrespect you professionally, but you are a, um, a professional comedian who's also an attractive lady, so don't you have to kind of parse people's intentions? Um, Not really. No? I mean, like, people are pretty straightforward with me. Mm-hmm. They're like, do you want to do my show? Right. Do you want to fuck? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I think. I think. Okay, cool. Well, I good. never think that if somebody asked me to do their show that mm-hmm. they, like you know, want to go out with me or something. Okay. Because I always feel like guys would, I feel like a lot of guys get into comedy for the same reason a lot of guys get into radio, which is they have a lot to say, but they feel really awkward saying it to people, like kind of face to face. So they have to make up this weird artificial construct to allow them to say all the stuff that's yeah, inside. Yeah, and I have problems with intimacy just like you do too. What makes you think I have problems with intimacy? Well, you were clumping yourself into this group I'm not of... a, I'm not a comic. Well, I'm a radio guy. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's an accident that I'm here. Okay. I'm still not really a radio guy. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Like if I okay. if I if How'd I How'd you get this job? I knew a guy. Damn. It's true. If I lose my gig in radio tomorrow, like I think it's f- fair to speculate that I'll never work in radio again cuz I don't have a network of people. I'm not like there are, I'm not you know, not like getting phone calls from, hey man, come work on K Buzz in the morning. Why don't you, whoever got you the job, why yeah. don't you introduce me to them mm-hmm. so that I could get a job here? I could introduce you to uh, to Brian Cullen of, you know? of Faction Music. You want to be? I mean, you, yeah, I would love to be. Really? Yeah. How are you doing? Like, how's your, how's your career going? It's going great. Okay, but you want to be on radio? Can't be going that great. I mean, I think radio, well, I, I've been doing my podcast for like a year and a half, and right. I just think it's- which, so, I'm na- which I'm now on, technically. Yes. And uh, <laughs> we're doing a swap cast. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's so fun. I would love to do radio, more radio. It's, it's, it's something that I never really thought of getting into, because yeah. I've always, always been like, I'm a comedian. I'm going to do stand-up. I'm going to do stand-up shows. But then it's like, all these comedians do radio, because if you're good just on the fly, right. you could be good on the radio. They're kind of similar. 
That's yeah. what I keep telling myself when I bomb at stand-up comedy. That you just got to imagine the listeners at home laughing. <laughs> like, okay, these these six people at the improv lab lab have no idea what I'm doing on stage. But, but when people tweet you like, "Hey, you were great on the radio today," like you want to ask them like, "Hey, which which one? At what point did you laugh? Like, what what minute marker did you laugh at?" Oh, they usually now they'll usually tell me what they liked about about what I did. The one that I love is when people go, "Man, you're the you're just fucking awesome!" Like a really like a rare once in a generation talent. And you're like, oh, thanks. And they go, yeah, you and, and then they say somebody that I have absolutely no respect for. Yes, yeah, so you and just like, lost all respect for them. So yeah, so I don't know so what, what to So what are you supposed them. to be doing instead of radio? Like if you lost your job tomorrow. If I lost my job tomorrow. To me. Right, when when it becomes the Jason Ellis Show featuring Esther Koo and um, Koo and the Gang becomes a weekly thing here on Faction Talk, uh, the, the first thing I would do is um, I have co-written some books. Mm-hmm. Like I co-wrote Jason's books and I've co-written some other people's books. That would be the, the most obvious, easy way for me to make a few dollars, but it's hard to make like a real proper living at that. Yeah. So, yeah. So you'd be fucked. Well, I would like to think that I've, I have enough friends at this point that if I sent out like an urgent SOS text to a bunch of people and was like, you know, I wouldn't. I, seriously, of course, I've had to co- contemplate this. Like everybody has. Like, mm-hmm. um, seriously, I don't know how I'm gonna like keep a roof over my kid's head. Do you? Can you put me in touch with anybody who might have anything? Yeah. I at least feel like more so now than maybe even two years ago. There's like, well, you've also just like, met a lot of people working here too, probably, right. and become friends. Yeah, with but I don't think they like me very much. I don't think that there are a whole lot of people in this organization who are like, ooh, wait till we can get our claws in, in, in Tully. Those would not be the text messages I would be sending out. Yeah. Maybe I'm maybe I'm ignoring this wonderful opportunity right underneath my nose, but I don't think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> so can I, can I ask you about you? I usually do a lot of research on people, and I've done none on you because I actually would rather hear it from you. Okay, cool. I'm sure people who listen to your podcast are well acquainted with your story, but I am not. So if we can go down memory lane one more time. Yeah, sure. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Chicago. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you were born and raised there. Yep. You don't have a Chicago accent. I know because I left when I was young. I was like, I need to get the fuck out of Chicago. And you went to where? Seoul? Sh- no. <laughs> I went to Boston. <laughs> oh, well, that explains the accent. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's all making sense now, yeah. right? You and Bill Burr. <laughs> Neighbors. Yeah, I read in a book one time. That there was like one sentence in a book, and it was a, it was like a, a a vacation guide to Boston, and it said like Boston has the greatest comedy scene of any city in the country, but it was biased because the whole book was all about Boston. Right. And I was like, I'm gonna go to Boston. I want to be a comedian. So, I that's how it was just so random. Like yeah. I could have been reading a book about San Francisco or. Anywhere, and they could have made the same claim. Although Boston, I mean, yeah. Boston's way, way. Although up Boston there. is a great town for comedy. Also, I think it's a really good idea. Something that I did not do to um, to to work your chops up on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I forget who I was talking to about this. It might have been. Bert it's Kreischer. just a faster paced, um, like vibe. Yeah, like people just talk faster, yeah. and you just have to like, you know, when you're merging into traffic, if everybody's going fast, it mm-hmm. just forces you to be just like them. Right, it does. And I also just think, like, I don't want to make too much of abusive crowds and hecklers and the, you know, hey, forget about it guy. There's not actually a whole lot of those left in New York or, I'm guessing, Boston. But it does feel like... I I mean, those guys are at the bar. 
Right. You know, the forget about it guys. Yeah. Like it's like good exercise to just talk to them. Yeah. You know, before you're going on stage or after you come off stage. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, you don't get heckled all the time. Right. So were you always, how old were you when you moved there? Uh, 23. And were you always going to be a comic then, I assume? So did you go to college? I did. Okay. Big mistake. Yeah, same here. It was the biggest mistake I ever made in my entire life. Right? Yeah. What the fuck did we learn in college? Nothing. And what it accomplished for me was, I w- uh, we were talking a little bit about my background before we were rolling here. I was in a band. And I was in a band that had just enough success that I could think realistically I was going to do that for a living Mm -hmm. and then for due to a couple different circumstances what was the name of your band our band was called National Velvet okay very vague yeah well okay so it was the mid 90s and everybody was doing the grunge thing and we were like trying to do the exact opposite yeah like we wanted to be like a big like almost kind of like glamorous like we didn't want to be like oh we're wearing dirty flannel shirts kind of thing I was really, really into glam rock, and now even the 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 biggest true believer knew that by 1993 or so that ship had more than sailed. So I think we, in our, without acknowledging it, we were trying to do the most glam rock thing we could get away with in the 90s. I could respect that because I'm not a big grunge person, right? So it didn't really it didn't really work, and maybe you know we weren't probably good enough, and there was also some circumstances outside of our control, and then. I didn't know what to do with myself, and so I was just like a waiter, and I smoked a bunch of pot and drank a whole bunch, and then I realized I could go to college, and that was like a socially acceptable way. Don't you wish you would have just stayed a waiter? You would have learned so much more. I learned far... I mean, it's it's like a trite thing to say, but it's absolutely true. I learned a lot more... I've, I've learned a lot more reading books than I ever learned in college, but the most important thing, the why I um, regret it the most, aside from the money, which is a massive regret, is four years of my life that I should have been figuring out what I was doing and and the thing is people would have criticized me for not going to college when that may well have been the right thing to do for four years I didn't have to answer any questions about where I was going or what I was doing because I went to a good school yeah and instead I fucking graduate and now I'm like because I had taken time off because I was in the band now I'm like 22 years old college degree history no interest whatsoever in doing anything that that degree would enable me to do and I just go back to waiting tables. No. And waiting tables is so fun. Um, I insist my child does it. Insist. I had that like, conversation with him this morning. He should do it. Yeah. It is so awesome. fun. It's like working awesome. in yeah. a restaurant is a blast. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And plus, like, you could get laid working at a restaurant. You definitely, I, I did, I sure did. It's kind of easier to get laid because then everybody goes out drinking afterwards right. yeah. and then you just. Well, and you have that work friend thing where, like, you're people who you, like, don't, you don't actually have anything in common with them, but you go out and get drunk and you bitch about your common enemy at work and you think that you're friends. Exactly. Like, you're close enough to fuck. Yep. Right. Okay. So then, um, so how, you graduated school and it must have been a year or so before you went and did the comedy thing. It was. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I was I was selling pens in Boston. I got a job. That's how I afforded my move to Boston. I got a job selling pens, working for Sharpie, and it's a good pen. I got a company car. I got a corporate credit card. I got four hundred one k. I had health insurance. It was like, dude, I am living it up. But you got a lot of Sharpies too. And I had free pens to give to all the comedians. The silver ones and a company car to drive. All the comedians, like Joey Yannetti was like, hey, why does this open micer have a nicer car than we do? Right. I'm like, because it's a company car. I'm not rich, you know? Right. But I think some of those, like, townie comedians looked at me like, I'm rich because I'm, like, 23 arriving with a brand new Chevy Trailblazer. And it's like, I would think she was rich, too, but I just, that was my company car. Right. I didn't buy a car. Was your family rich? 
No, not at all. My my dad worked for the post office overnights, and my mom was a nurse. Okay. So it just, you know, we were just super working class, you know? And- like, you don't ever feel rich when you don't spend holidays when the holidays happen. Like, if you celebrate holidays after they happen because your mom's at work and your dad's at work, you're not rich. Well, or you're... You're, like, serving the rich. Or you're ludicrously rich, because I bet you there are some, like, 0.1 percenters who, you know, dad's flying back from Geneva on Christmas Day. Sorry, we're doing Christmas two days later. Maybe. I bet. I think there's some people who don't even get to shut it down on Christmas Pity the ultra-rich. They've got no. their problems as well. No, thanks. And I don't know how deeply we want to delve into this. It sounds like your family was fairly, like, oppressive. Is that the word? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, they're Korean, so... Yeah, what is up? Margaret Cho was on the show last week. Yeah, Koreans are really <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I just grew up in such a religious upbringing that it was... What religion? Uh, it was evangelical Christian Christianity. Uh-huh. So, oh, everything... so this is why you are the way you are? Yeah. <laughs> I just grew up super repressed. Like, it was just so strict. Yeah. Like, you can't sit next to boys in church. You have to wear skirts down to your ankles. I wore, like... Like, you can't paint your nails. I got rebuked for painting my sister's nails. Because, rebuked. Because then, like... Yeah, to tears. Because then you're trying to, like, uh, tempt men and... Uh, that's sinful. So they they just lived according to the Bible, like literally. They took everything in the Bible literally. So I was just like a servant of yeah. God, like my whole entire childhood. So that would be really uh, sexist as well. Yeah. Right. I mean, like even towards your mom, if you're really living by the letter of the law. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And how did they come upon that? They joined in Korea and then they came over to the States, like, as part of a whole group of missionaries that came to pioneer the United States or North America. How are they doing with that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, ever since I left the church, like, I left thinking, okay, well, I guess fuck my family. Like, I'm just never going to see them again. Mm -hmm. Just thinking, like, they're so into it. Is it one of those things that you're either with them or you're against them? Yeah. And And how's that now? And they kind of, like, shun you or... quote unquote pray for you you're a lost soul that is the most condescending passive aggressive shit that has ever been invented i will pray for you like fucking kick me in the dick before you pray for me i know and and it's hard to leave because all of your friends are in this church like they want you to ostracize yourself from the outside world from anybody at school or work you can't be friends with them Mm -hmm. you can't be friends with your family if they're not in the church so you're just all in that's how they keep you there that's the Amish thing you can leave anytime you want but everything and everyone you've ever known will turn its back on you but you don't know anybody outside of this colony or how to function in it Yeah. and I remember when I left they would tell me they're like well you're not gonna be able to if that's your attitude of just, like, leaving us behind. You, Good luck out there. You're not going to make any friends. And I'm like, well, I don't even care if I don't make friends. I just want to get the fuck out of here. Right. Did you have other, like, f- friends when you were young who you kind of, like, whisper, like, man, this fucking this sucks. we got to get out of here. No, because I was completely brainwashed. I was, like, full in it. I was, like, just hook, line, and sinker. I was teaching Bible study to my classmates. Okay. But not, but so, when, so when did that change? Uh, when I was 17. What happened? Um, I learned how to masturbate. And oh, yes. You, I've heard this. Yeah, yeah. Just like, just get in touch with like my sexuality and just, I guess, becoming 
a woman mm -hmm. and just learning just everything that that like I had been told it just seemed to contradict itself as soon as like they're like well if you masturbate that's sinful and I'm like well but this is so fun I don't I'm just gonna keep on sinning so I just became like this full-time sinner, I guess. Right. You know? This must have been an exciting development and for a couple of guys you knew. That was, well, I didn't know any guys. Like, I knew church guys. Uh -huh. So it, I was just all by myself, really. Okay, so. I didn't did, share it with anybody at first. When did you lose your virginity? At 19. Okay. All right. So you were off at college then? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. It took me, my freshman year, it took me like a year to lose my virginity. I didn't know how it worked, you know, because. Like what? <clears throat> like I didn't know if how to like approach guys or like if they approach you or I they, didn't. They must have approached you. Not my freshman year. I had braces and oh. like a bad haircut. Right, 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 right. Totally you know? unfuckable. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, I, I, I could see these guys as angry. <laughs> <laughs> plus, <laughs> plus, like Asian girls weren't popular. Like if you saw like an oh, is Asian, this like nineteen ninety? This was like uh, no, it was way later than that. Get out of town. <laughs> Well, attack. maybe it was my low self-esteem. I don't know. It just it just seemed like I didn't know how to go about doing it. I was just clueless. I was a church girl. I was practically a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness. You right. know, I was so sheltered my uh -huh. whole life. I didn't know how to function as like, you know, this person in the outside world. Everything was just new to me, you know? Um. So, so why do you feel like your entire adult life is pretty much just a rejection of your youth like comedy and outward sexuality uh yeah it's a form of rebellion uh -huh. against like that sounds fun everything it, it is yourself? fun <laughs> <laughs> it is fun i mean sometimes it's problematic because i do have a problem with people in you know positions of authority um but it's also not a problem it's just it's fun so what do you get angry at like tv executives TV executives. I'm trying to think of who would be in a position of authority over you, and it's when you're a comedian, yeah. you don't really have an authority figure. So I'm thinking maybe you pissed on a couple desks in MTV or something. No, I didn't piss on their desks. Maybe I like blew weed, you know, smoke in their faces, mm -hmm. um, indirectly. Sure, like it could happen out, to anybody out the bathroom window and then into their executive window. But they love that at MTV. It makes them feel like they're not working at uh, ABC. They make it appear that they love it. <laughs> right, it's actually fairly. <laughs> they cool. don't really love it. Yeah. No. They're actually they actually work very hard there, and I don't really see them smoking too much weed. So, okay, but yeah, a, a lot of my adulthood is catching up on my childhood. Mm -hmm. Like I love going to water parks because right. I never went to water parks. Right? As a okay. Kid. Yeah. Okay. So it's the Michael Jackson thing. You never got to have a childhood, so now you're gonna have a childhood <laughs> for the rest of your life. I never. I, I I get that, but I never understand why it, you, Michael Jackson, Liz Taylor, like why that isn't just a phase. Like at a certain point. Don't you get your fill of because, water parks? No. No, I want to go to every water park everywhere. Water parks are pretty great. Um, And I've only been like three times so far. What the I, fuck are you doing? I know. I, know, I need to fucking... I, th I thought you were going to tell me that you like... I was going to go today and then you were like, come into Sirius. And I was like, fine. It's not too... Like, give me a break. <laughs> it be 1130 when you're done here. So... Go slip and slide. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's... We have this insatiable need to like relive our childhoods because... It's just not fair. Like when you're doing things as an adult, you're still paying bills and it's just not as fun. Like I see kids enjoying themselves at Disney World or wherever and it's just like, wow, if I had this when I was a kid, 
I'd be so happy. I was at Disneyland a week ago, and I feel I think there's like more adults there than there are children. We have an epidemic of baby people. Yeah, see, Disneyland and Disney World, like that's not as fun to me. No, water slides. You, you got yeah, it figured. Water slides. <laughs> <laughs> You're a smart kid. You got this figured out. It's because there was this commercial for Wisconsin Dells in Chicago that would uh-huh. always play in, on every summer, and we never were allowed to go to Wisconsin Dells, and uh. it just looked like the commercial was just so good. Is that the one that even when it's cold, you can go- Is you, it you indoor? Can, I think so. Is it? My kid went to a thing in the middle of winter in Wisconsin. Oh, My wife wow. is, is from Milwaukee, so- Amazing. Yeah. See, now I'm jealous of your kid. Yeah. Well, you guys can hang out. I'll introduce you to <laughs> So let me ask you something else. Oh, and feel free to ask any questions that you want since this is a podcast. Sw- I always, a I always ask about um, Pooh. Go ahead. You know? I noticed in the description for your um, for Pooh and the gang that you talk about uh, your guest sexuality a lot. Oh, That's I mean. That's what it says there. So if you have any questions about, <laughs> about my Pooh or my sex life, fire away. Well, how old were you when you lost your virginity? Um, buh, buh, I, I, th- I want to say, uh, yeah, late 14. It was 14. I think so. It was after oh my Oh my god. It was after my freshman year of of high school and I I'm I'm born in July so I think I was just before I turned 15. Wow. See, that's exactly why I am reliving my childhood now because in high school I always saw everybody like making out by their lockers. Yeah. And oh, I, I sucked was... mad face back then. Did you? I I did. I oh. did. The sex thing was I mean, that with with apologies to the the lady if she happens to be listening, it was a mistake. Like it was it was not it was just like something that I What, making out in the hallways? No, that was great. That part I really really liked. The actual having sex at 14 bit mm-hmm. because I don't want to say like it was a, a peer pressure thing. Like I wanted to do it, but like it, it didn't really feel right. But like on paper, everything worked. Like uh-huh. oh, she's attractive. She's kind of a friend of mine. Well, you fill out the rape paperwork at the police station. She's totally willing to do this. This mm-hmm. is completely consensual. That was a checklist on my box, and and so we did it. And the cliche is that guys come like immediately the first time they have sex. It actually took me forever. Because I'm like a sensitive. Oh, that's awful. I was like a sensitive boy. That that's awful. Where, where, it took me like a half that hour she, or something. Half an hour. Oh my this god. Is, oh man, Esther Koo. <laughs> <laughs> I would not put up with that. I'd be like, pack oh, up man. your bags. You're gone. I didn't know what we were doing. So that's how you. So when you have, how, what was the last time you had sex with a man? Um, maybe a month ago. When was the last time you had sex with a woman? You know what? That's on my things to do list. Oh come on! I heard you saying that you're going to turn out as a lesbian, like shit, oh, or get I know. off the, the pot. The last time I did Jason Ellis show. But I also heard that I, I listened to uh, your most recent pod with uh, Aiko. Aiko Tanaka. Yes. Oh, you did? I think oh, a little bit of it. And she said that um, you said that you are going to end up a lesbian because you don't. I mean, I was attractive. I was just questioning myself. Maybe you're not I will because be, you probably would have done it by now if that was your thing. Yeah. If you were going to end up a chocoholic, you probably would have eaten chocolate by now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's just fun to like. I mean, I like going to strip clubs and stuff. Like, right. I yeah. think it's fun, mm-hmm. and I think women are more beautiful than men. So, undoubtedly, it's just. I think it'd be fun. I mean, maybe I would not become full time lesbian. Maybe just a part time. There's plenty lesbo. of guys, you know, nowadays who would be totally like cool with that arrangement. Yeah. Of where like you could be with a man and you could just go do whatever you want with right with women. You could cheat on him as long as it's just with a woman. Yeah, I wonder how many guys would be okay with a a like. Ha- I think any guy would be okay with being with a woman who wanted to be with other women if that was always a threesome kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing if I were you, like if I was like, uh, kind of gay, 
well, when I was having sex with men with what my wife. If you, if I were even more gay than I am, if I, if I, <laughs> thank you for clarifying. If I acted on the deep impulses that are obvious to everyone, including you, I don't think I would want. Like, I could imagine a scenario where I would want to be married to my wife because I do love my wife and I'm attracted to my wife and I like the family, you know, setup that we have with each other. But I want to bang dudes in the side. But I have a feeling when I want to bang dudes in the side. I'm not trying to introduce them into my thing with her. That kind of spoils the fun. Why? That'd be perfect. I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm a different kind of homosexual than Oh, you. because you would want to suck his dick and then she'd be bored. Well, I assume that we could. Pictures. I assume that we could figure out a way where everybody's taking care of everybody. I'm just saying, like, I'm, I'm scratching my gay itch. It's like, okay, like, I love watching my kid and I also love, like, going out and, like, drinking beers. But, like, when I, one of the reasons why I like going out and drinking beers is because I'm not with my kid. Yeah. I don't want to do both at the same time. The I like doing one as a break from the other. Yeah. So you think if you were in a relationship with I a think, dude and well, you were Well, I've had girls, a threesome with two guys at my high school reunion. How was that? Oh. Oh. Okay. It was great because it just, it was symbolized like, hey, let me... You know, like I never lost my virginity in high school. Let yep. me get tonight's the night. Let me catch up on all the action that all yes. these other sluts were getting in high school. Here's junior year and senior year yeah. made up, <laughs> made up in one night. So were a lot of girls that were people having a lot of sex in your high school? Yeah, I mean the popular kids. Uh huh. And I remember in my health class, this kid Rocco. He's like this hot Italian guy, and he always had these like. This pair of strippers, not strippers, <laughs> this pair of twins, but mm-hmm. they look like strippers. They yeah. were like, they look like grown ass women. Right. Right. And everybody else is like young. And, um, and I remember in health class, a teacher was like, so what percentage of freshmen do you think are sexually active? And Rocco raised his hand. He's like 75%. And I was in, like, in Rocco's experience. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh fuck. I'm so behind. But yeah, that probably wasn't true. No, Rocco was. Rocco was wrong. Rocco was probably getting some ideas from his Although dad. our high school did have a after-school program for teenage moms. Oh. Yeah, okay. Well, then probably somebody was getting laid. A lot of a lot of girls, a lot of the Mexican girls were getting laid. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I pass uh, some schools here in Los Angeles. I mean, you see, it's a jarring teenage sight. Teenage moms. It's a jarring sight. It's not something that I will get used to. It's not the world that I was raised in to see school high school students carrying babies. Um, it's the world that I was raised in. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was yeah. almost normal. Like these girls would like go up to each other in the because because once our school our school ended at three fifteen and their school started at three fifteen mm-hmm. and they would come in with their babies and they'd like go up to each other and be like, oh, your baby's so cute. Like it was almost a way to brag of like, look, I get laid. Yeah. And they they almost didn't even couldn't even fathom like how this has affected their lives that they have a baby that they have a child. Well, the only way you can have a baby, I'm trying to think of an exception, I can't. Uh, as a teenager, is if all you can think about is oh, it's going to be so great to have a little baby and to somehow tune out all of the negatives and ramifications that necessarily come along with that. I only watched a couple minutes of like any of those teen mom shows on MTV, but it's mm-hmm. always like the chick is never like, you know, I just feel like I'm in a place in my life where I've got a lot of love to give and I want to share it and I really feel like I can provide a good home. It's always like I want a baby. Yeah. A baby will make me happy. Yeah, and a baby is fun to play with, almost like a puppy is. You don't realize that the puppy's going to grow it to this huge dog. Well, right. And also, babies are way more annoying at their worst than puppies. Yeah. So babies are 
half bad right from the start. They're almost more than half bad right from the start. And then you got to tough out another couple decades. I think people at my school, they just weren't ambitious. So it's just like if yeah. they got pregnant, they're like, oh, okay, I'll just take care of a baby now. Like it, they didn't really have so many, you know, prospects in their future to look forward to. So yeah. they just accepted it. And it was kind of fun for them, I think. You want a baby? No. No? No. I don't want a baby. I uh, I think babies are cute and fun and right. I'll babysit, but... But I think, um, like, just the whole pain of childbirth just does not appeal to me. That's the that's the number. You know, one did your wife reason? had uh, have? Yeah, that's the number one reason. Mm-hmm. Um, did I was your right, wife? I was right there. It looked brutal. Right. I know. I I don't know. I don't. It's brutal for more than just the the moment because she was she was she's dr- in pain afterwards for weeks. Yes, that's the more of the thing that people don't talk about because she was drugged up pretty good. Mm-hmm. Her her thing was and and who am I to to judge or even really have much of an opinion was I'm going to try to do it without the drugs and I'll just see how that goes. And my wife is tough. And, and at a certain point she's like, yeah, we're going to do the drugs. Well, at least she ha- procreated with like you who is petite, you know? Oh, I mean, so she didn't have like, to pass I have a friend, like a, a I have a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, she I married understand. this huge Polish guy who could be a football player. Mm-hmm. And this baby's head was fucking humongous. Yeah. And then, like, the baby grew to, like, the size of a three-year-old in the first year. Right. And she never really had, like, you know, baby real time. baby moments with him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and C-sections are widely regarded as, like, oh, I don't want to have a vaginal birth. I'll just do the C-section. But that's... Go then, go do go do a little research on C-sections. Yeah, there's a lot of risk of infection with C-section. Well, and also they cut through like your abdominal muscles to get to the baby. Yeah. It's like it's about as subtle as like when the alien comes out in I wonder alien. if they can do a little lipo while they're there. I'm sure they can. I'm sure there's somebody in this town who will. Fucking LA, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> So yeah, she took the drugs and after that she was like cool. She's like I'm going to go take a shower. Like I remember as, as soon as really? the drugs kicked in, she was like she, I mean, she was After rel- the baby came out, she was like I'm going to take a shower? No, after the drugs kicked in before she had the baby, she went from oh, being like curled wow. up to being like, "Oh, I'm pretty cool now." And but then the drugs wear off. Yeah. And the most actually the worst Okay, no. This is I should not say the worst. As a father, the worst part of having a baby is that it's like easily the most stressful, tense for a woman, painful day of your life. And then when it's over, you're like, ah, oh, just, okay, now I can go to bed. But for the first time in your life, you can't go to bed because you got a fucking baby. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I remember thinking that. I was like, if I could just get like an eight hour time out. And yes, they have nurses and they have a nursery and stuff, but they're also like trying to get the mom to breastfeed and they're, they're in and out all night. Yeah. You got a new little baby. You got to handle that. You know? It's such a big responsibility. Yeah. Okay. Again, feel free to uh, interject with poo questions whenever they occur to you. <laughs> well, I talk more than just about poo. It doesn't have to all be poo. Just let me know. I'm, I'm an open book, but I do have questions for you. Okay. Do you want to go? Um. Yeah. No. I mean, being a father, like it's amazing that how how little you have to contribute to have a human son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, isn't it like just mind blowing that you barely have to do anything? Never really thought about it that way. Like you guys have it so easy. Like yes. your poor wife had right. to be in pain, mm-hmm. and yep. it's not even painful for you to ejaculate. No, it felt pretty good, as I recall. And um, for uh, for months afterward, it's it's super brutal. My wife had uh, difficulties breastfeeding, so that was painful and um, frustrating. And I think most women would agree. Humiliating is the word, but you just to start breastfeed? you just start to feel like. At a certain point, like you've lost your body and you you are a bit of a of a cow. Yeah, exactly. Because you're just giving milk all mm-hmm. the time. 
And then it doesn't yeah, I would love to say, yeah, but then this is when the dad thing kicks in, but my kid totally prefers my wife and I totally see his angle and if you know, when push comes to shove, like he likes me. We're cool, we're friends, you know, we're pretty tight, but like mm-hmm. he, he sweats his mom. Like you're always gonna be the secondary parent. Well, Something if, weird. You had, if you had a girl, you might be closer to the girl. Maybe. Well, I, yeah. I think it's entirely... I'm talking about during the the tough years, like the real labor-intensive years. Mm-hmm. I think all little kids are more into their mom when they're, like, on an instinctive level, understand that they are could be killed very easily. Mm-hmm. I think it's entirely possible it's that... It's their food source. And everything else, you know, yeah. and it's source of... You know, babies need love as well, and, you know, the Nazis proved that you take away a baby's love and still feed it, it'll it'll die. Yeah. So they, they kind of need that mother love or some substitute for it if the mom doesn't happen to be around. It's entirely possible that when my kid is like 10, 15, 20, that we will be tighter, although I doubt it. But like in the in the formative years, it's, it's the mom all the way. Yeah, he it's, might be a mama's boy for good. Yeah. Are yeah. you going to have more kids? Maybe. I don't know if it happens. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I like having sex. Don't really like using protection. So, you know, if it happens. <laughs> yeah. We were gonna, and then when it was like kind of time to have the second one, um, it was really brutal. We don't have any family out here, so we were doing everything by ourselves. And my wife had started a business just before she got pregnant, and she was sort of in that crucial point with her business. That's so tough if you don't have family. It's really, I really. I could pretend to be her sister. You don't look Tell all you don't look all that similar, but we could mm-hmm. try to pass you off. Sure, you could be a very distant. Actually, her family's Cousin. from part of Japan. That's like you can see Korea from almost. Oh really? Yeah. Oh damn. So maybe way way back, you guys. Have... I need to do like an ancestry dot com because the Japanese did rape and pillage Korean villages for right. several years. So yeah. maybe I am part Japanese. It's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. Maybe you are. And maybe she's part Korean. Maybe it's time. Well, I don't think it went both ways, but yeah, it's it's possible. But maybe it is time we welcomed you into the fold as a member of our family. <laughs> Let's do it. So um, I want to ask you about your whole uh, cock tease thing. Uh-huh. Like, what's your deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. I <laughs> Do you consider it like a part of your humor to just <laughs> cock tease your your fans? Um or do you consider it empowering to cock you know, tease your fans or do you just enjoy cock teasing your fans? I just think it's funny. Why? I I go on stage. Mm-hmm. I used to do a joke on stage. I'd be like, "Hey, who in here doesn't have an Asian fetish?" And then usually, you know, people are shy or if one person claps, I'll be like, you know, just one guy and the rest of you are or you know, like just kind of accuse the audience of a blanket having an Asian fetish, and obviously they don't, but I just thought it was funny. I don't know. I think part of it is having grown up so dorky and, you know, looking hideous that, like, having this newfound power of being, like, you know, attractive and guys are attracted to me, I just feel like I have to just play with it. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's not like I was an attractive kid. Yeah. Like I got made fun of in school all the time and right. I looked, you know, like a big dork. So to have that experience and then to, you know, have the opposite experience where guys are hating on you, but then you're like, these are the same type of guys who would have made fun of me in high school. Okay. So maybe that so, answers the second part of my question. So 
I looked at your Instagram and then I looked at the comments on your Instagram and you put up a photo of yourself not that long ago and it wasn't it wasn't like here's me at this thing it was just kind of like here's me and you look very pretty in the photo and people wrote things like um is that a bodysuit cuz your body suits me <laughs> That's not that bad I prefer you with your legs open Uh-huh <laughs> So when you post a photo that's just like, let's face it, this is just me looking pretty, mm-hmm. and you know that that is what's coming, like, what is is it simply, well, that guy wouldn't have written that about me 15 years ago, so it's sort of weirdly cool that even, no, cre- that I even think creeps follow me now? I, um... I'm still flattered by compliments, because, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like the fat kid who thinks he's still fat. Like, right. Like, that's how I feel. So, I appreciate every compliment. You know, if somebody wants to give me a compliment on my Instagram or whatever, like I click like on it, you know. So what percentage of people that you interact with or interact with you on social media are not male creeps? Um, I have females. Okay. Female creeps. Shout out to any of the creeps who are listening to <laughs> Cool in the gang, by the way. Hey, listen. Big fan of you, creeps. I mean, it's so fun. <laughs> it's so funny because I do get emails mm-hmm. and people say, hey, listen, I'm not a creep. And they preface their email with it. And I totally appreciate that, too. Like, hey, I genuinely find you funny. And do I have to be a creep? They're like, I'm married and no. I have kids. No, you don't. And I just think you're funny. I appreciate those comments, too. You know? I would. Well, those are the ones that I think you ought to uh, appreciate. Yeah. I just can't. I can't imagine, as we all know, there's no male equivalent. I would just, man, if just for a day. I could just post a picture. I mean, I know I'm not attractive enough, but to, to if there was any world where I could just you post, could put on a wig, a dress, and and I could get those. Maybe I could get some of your heels. fans to follow me on yeah, Instagram. You could you could, uh, you could be a little cross dresser. So is it on uh, all in all? Is it harder or easier to be um, an attractive woman getting into stand up comedy? Um, I think it's easy to get attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, it's easy. Uh, sometimes it's hard though, because there's, you know, I don't know. It's, it can be hard because people judge you and just assume that you're not funny. So if somebody's just like, oh, well, she's really hot. Then people just think, okay, well, she's hot. She's not funny. Hmm. I think. I wonder if that's not changing a little bit, but because it seems easier to me, and I, I, it's funny because I'm like sort of around stand-up comedy now, but I don't have any skin in the game or whatever the, the the saying is there. So I hear comedians talking to each other, and I think speaking really frankly to each other, but like I don't, I'm nowhere close to having you know a, a, my foot in the door really. So who cares? And I like there's a couple of women who I see on stage a lot in LA that I consider pretty mediocre. But they're like attractive women, and I think just getting stage time is such an incredibly valuable thing, and it's such a rare commodity in Los Angeles. So it seems to me that I do hear women complaining about this, that about being females, and maybe if you're an unattractive female, it's a whole different ball game. But it seems to me that being a pretty girl is 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 well worth whatever drawbacks there are in comedy. Um, I mean, like, I don't like to complain. So if that is true or not, I don't really pay attention to it. I don't ever say the words. It's so hard for me to get stage time. Yeah. You know, because I mean, I bet it is. Time? Do you need stage time? <laughs> I bet it is. But I don't ever want to complain. And then you have that complaining mindset where you're just like negative and down on your career. I'd rather 
you know. Do you mean like publicly, like social media thing, or even even saying it out loud? No, even just saying it out loud. Yeah. Like I've always thought, like when female comedians make it, they just make it massive. They just make it huge, you know. So there's nothing to complain about. Like, so what? It's a little harder right now at this level or something. But I think in the end, it's better for us. So are you gonna pop big time? Is that, is, that, is that the plan? <laughs> is that what I'm saying? Do you want to? <laughs> yeah, I'm working on it. Yeah, that's cool. How's that going? It's good. I uh, I just wrapped um, doing a sketch show mm-hmm. uh, called Sorry Not Sorry. It's airing on Go90 right now. We did eight yep. episodes. Mm-hmm. And I got to do a music video and a bunch of sketches with a bunch of improv comedians. So that was a good muscle to work out. Those, are, those people are usually losers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, like, they're different from me. But it was good to just, you know, so throw were, myself were, in the pool with them. To hang out with losers for a change? Uh, well, actually, they were all better than me. So at improv, I, sure. But, I at, was, but, at, but at life. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was way in over my head. So it was a it was a great you know learning experience for me. Yeah, well said. You want me to talk shit about them? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. We can move on. Sure. So, um, white people, huh? <laughs> yeah, white people who just get jobs at radio stations and they're mm-hmm. not even mm-hmm. they don't even have a radio degree. These fucking history majors radio, prancing in. What, what what sort of? I mean, I guess there are people with radio degrees, but would you ever want to listen to one of them? What sort of moron goes and does yeah, that? You'd rather it's like clown college with you'd more rather wires. Listen to a real person. Yeah, exactly. Speaking to your real white experience, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. What kind of white are you anyway? Um, uh, like uh, the 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 regular kind. You know what's gross about white people? Yeah, go ahead. You guys have like sticky earwax. You don't? No, no, ours are dry. Don't you see your wife's earwax? Isn't it like white and flaky? I'll have to get in there. Isn't that one of Weird Al's songs, White and Flaky? Close enough. My no, my earwax is like my boogers. It just changes with like the day. Yeah. Like, I don't know what what's up That's with what that. That's what I mean. That's gross. So your boogers are never slimy? That's a lie. Yeah, no, they are. Uh-huh. Sometimes. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I mean, but my earwax is never sticky. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that's not the does worst, your, thing, the worst thing you can wi- say about us. Does your wife like to take your earwax out? No, she has never Or done. squeeze your pores? Oh my God, no. Or like do anything, like, um, I don't know, groom you in any way? I wish she would do it more. I really, really do. Because like I said, she's like a clothing designer. She's got a decent sense of, of style and we'll go shopping for shit and I'll be like, what do you think of this? She's like, yeah, that's fine. I'm like, little fucking help but she doesn't ever like floss your teeth for you she has never flossed my teeth i'm trying to think of i mean we've showered together and soaped each other down but she's super americanized what's the deal what do you do you think that she should be like uh like like putting my feet in that water that pulls out all of the toxins or something uh well not the water but the the pads sure Uh, she should be like scraping the bottom of my she should be but like I like doing that stuff, you know. You, you do that for your man? Yeah, like I like extracting earwax and yeah, you know, I will cords and stuff. About that, she I I don't believe she uses Q-tips. I think we own them only for me. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's cuz she What do you use Q-tips for? I like it. Oh, for your ears. I thought okay, never mind. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. You know it actually says on the packaging not to do that. I know, but it's like, what else are you supposed to use them for? Oh, there's a million things. What are you talking about? Just ask the Q-tips box. I use I use it to clean my belly button. What's going on in there? I mean, I'm the gross one? 
I mean, sometimes- Check my belly button. I've never cleaned it once in my entire life. You know what's in there right now? Jack shit. Because you probably have a crater belly button. Mine is kind of like a balloon knot. Exactly. Yours is big enough that it doesn't really get dusty. But <laughs> I got an innie. Mine is more like a balloon knot. Oh, yours is exposed? No, it's it's an innie, but it's just like it has like little crevices that, you know, sometimes could use a little cotton. I, I, can I, may I see your belly button? Cotton, I, I, I failed to swab. see the difference between cotton yours. Swab. You know, it Please. has like little lines in there. You're gross. Get shit in there. <laughs> It's not even shit. It's like particles of your cotton t-shirt that are just there. And if you're wearing a black shirt, mm-hmm. it's going to be black. Yeah, you got to Q-tip that shit out. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I forget to do it most of the time. Like, I probably only do it once a month. <sighs> if you would believe that. Nasty. <laughs> so, what, when was your last uh, relationship? Um. So, I actually was in Park Slope. Oh, my God. So, this is a really long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is like when the strokes were big. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't that long ago. I, I used to go out with my weed dealer because mm-hmm. um, I had never smoked weed before. So when I met him, that was like another stupid high school moment to relive. You know? Oh, like, your weed dealer in like, high school me, would never me, fuck you? Let me, well, no. I never even knew who the weed dealers in high school were. Uh-huh. So I was like, let me... When I met a weed dealer in New York, I was like, wow, he's so cool. He provides weed for the community. Yeah, and I that... never thought of him as a loser. And all my friends watched me go out with this loser for a year and a half. I wonder, do are there girls? There must be, right? I, I know I, I, it's a male fantasy that women trade sex for like pizzas and stuff way more often than they do in real life. You know, like porn would lead you to believe, mm-hmm. you know. but I don't know. I don't really, I'm not a big connoisseur of porn. But there must have been... I never even thought about that. There must have been some girls who were just, well, I mean, weed's expensive when you're buying the real stuff and it's illegal. There must have been some girls who, because the guy just comes by your apartment with his backpack and there must have been oh, some girls yeah. who were like, Oh, yeah. Why Fuck. do you think I started dating my weed dealer? So are you aware of other women who have had sexual relations with their weed dealer for weed? Um, no. No. So your last boyfriend was your weed dealer. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are other women like me. It's just my friends. No, there's nobody who hasn't dated anyone since their weed dealer 10 years ago. My friends have more successful relationships than me, I think. Are you really bad at it? I'll let you drink your water. So you're- uh, Well, I mean, it just goes along with having low self-esteem, the whole reason we do comedy. mm -hmm. It all ties in. It's like you don't think you're worthwhile, you know- um, for any successful person to date, so you just kind of date losers. Are you in therapy? Um, yeah, I I have been in therapy. I'm on a little hiatus right okay. now. Because you are. I mean, you're like totally like a worthwhile human being, and you're accomplished, and you're successful, and you're. Pleasant, I try to tell myself that every day to, to yeah. be around, and but it's it's really. It's it's a whole. It takes a whole lifetime to rewire your brain. I think it really, really does. Uh, I've said this a million times, but. When I was a server, you meet a lot of crazy people when you're a server because a lot of servers are crazy. And I, I knew this one girl, man, she was in like an abusive relationship and it was it was bad and she was just the sweetest, sweetest girl ever. You couldn't help but love her. And and she was – everybody at one point or another sat down with her and had a conversation with her about her boyfriend. And she'd be like, I know. I get it. And then That's she'd go That's really off. nice of you guys to do that. And then she'd go, well, we were young and naive enough to think that we could make a difference. And then she'd go off and something terrible would happen mm-hmm. again. And I just realized if you could give me 30 seconds inside her brain, 
I could fix this. Because there's just really one major glitch that's fucking everything up. I could fix this, but instead she's going to spend the rest of her life trying to fix that thing. And I don't even know if she'll ever be fully successful at that. And you could pretty much say that about everybody. Everybody's got one or two things that it's just like, dude, you're doing that fucking thing again. That thing kills you over and over. When are you going to learn? Like all of us could fix each other really, really quickly. But most of us will never totally fully fix ourselves is my point. Mm Mm-hmm. That's my problem with Christians because they're so judgmental. They're not about self-reflection or working on themselves. Their whole philosophy and whole motive for going to church is so that they can judge other people and tell you what to repent of. It's like, I'm not going to fix anything. I'm cheating on my wife and I'm a piece of shit, but I'm going to tell you exactly what you should do to be a better servant of God. Yeah. It's like, fuck you. Why are you still, why is that still so front of mind to you? You don't encounter many Christians out here in Los Angeles. You're free you of know them. What? You've, been free, go, you've been free for longer than you were with them in the first place. Let them I go. go. I go, it's actually a Christian. <laughs> what? Yeah. I know. I'm trying to drag her out of Christianity, but yeah. she won't budge. Oh, that's. Yeah, gets its hooks in some people. And I hate to argue with them because it's not something people arguing about religion is about the dumbest thing that you can ever do because religion doesn't appeal to you or not appeal to you on a rational level. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's talking to something inside of you that your brain doesn't have a whole lot to do with. Yeah. Like once you get into I know, it, I your brain, just, your brain I should just let it go. Once you get into religion, your brain comes up with a whole bunch of reasons why like you are religious and when you're not into it your brain comes up with a bunch of reasons like why religion is so stupid but I firmly believe that you first come to like a gut conviction about it mm-hmm. I've never met one person who actually really sat down and like read the bible and then read the satanist bible and it's like right okay here's my decision <laughs> is there a satanist bible there is it's a bad example because it's actually I think just like I never heard of that it's gay it's not cool uh-huh. satan had a had a had a far less a convincing author. Did Satan write a Bible? Satan, it would have been a better book if Satan wrote it, but instead some guy from the 60s called Anton LaVey wrote it, I think. Oh, really? No, yeah. I want to read it. Yeah, go check out the Satanic Bible. Um, I have to let you go. I had actually prepared a little segment that I wanted to do with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last time you were on the Jason Ellis Show, I recommended that you change the name of your podcast to Coolis. Uh-huh. Because I, I've, I've found you to be somewhat gullible occasionally. I am, um, yeah, very gullible. So I made a bunch of stuff, and some of it's true and some of it's fake. Okay, I have to decipher which ones are? Yeah. Okay, go. Um, I was once charged with assault with a deadly weapon. You? Yeah. True. Wow. You really think that of me, huh? Well, I I, I think you threw that in there to throw me off. It's not true. Okay. I uh, once... Uh, oh, shit. You love shit. I once took a shit in a stranger's washing machine. False. No, you should have been there. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Oh, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Really? I'll tell you this story some other time. Uh, I was once mugged twice in one day. True. You're right. I should have been fucking my weed dealer. And that wouldn't <laughs> have happened. Um, I am or was technically a hermaphrodite. Um, False. Really? You are? It doesn't take that much to be a hermaphrodite. Just you have two body parts? Like just not anymore. That's why I put in the was. Mm-hmm. Like it probably happens a lot more often with babies than people realize. You're born with like, like if you're like a boy, basically, you have like the testicles, but then you just have like the resticles. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you were born with a vagina too. Not exactly a vagina. They it's more, it it's up. more like internal stuff. Come on, you were born with what fallopian tubes? I don't know. We'll figure it out on the next uh, the next you get show. A period. I do. I do. My wife would probably say I do. We got to go. 
So uh, thank you, Esther Koo. You are at Esther Koo Koo. Thank on... you, Tully, for having me on the Tully Show. Thank you for having me on Koo and the Gang. You're Esther Koo Koo on Twitter and Instagram. And um, the Tully Show airs on Sirius XM on Faction Talk On Demand and is also as a podcast. Thanks.